on today's podcast from the North Wahala Church of God, part 11 of the Tabernacle series from Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. Now here's your speaker, Pastor Neil Nolan. We'll go to verse two tonight in the book of Leviticus. And the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, your brother, not to come up at just any time into the holy place inside the veil before the mercy seat, which is the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Let's go to the book of John tonight, chapter 17. This is where I'll take most of my text, verses 22 and 23, the book of John. And the glory, somebody say glory. If you were with us last week, you heard that word a bunch, and you're going to hear it a lot tonight. Glory, the outward manifestation of God's presence, taking the invisible and making it visible through Jesus Christ, his son. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one. Somebody say one. Just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfect in one. Three times the word one is there. Something about that unity, the beauty of the unity of God, that where his glory is, where it's not been resisted or rebelled or fought against, something happens in that unity. He says, God, as you and I were one and how we're still one, now make us one with them. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved me, loved them as you have loved me. That's what we're going to preach tonight. We're still in the series of the tabernacle. We're still in the most holy place. Speaking of reverence, and we're going to talk about God's glory tonight. And two things that pushes God's glory away from the New Testament church. Stretch your hand this way. Let's go to the Lord and ask God to touch us. T.J. Galloway, pray that God would give the congregation ears to hear tonight, please. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, the picture of the holy place and the holies of holies or the most holy place. Three pieces of furniture in the holy place. And when you go through the veil of the curtain, now you see the Ark of the Covenant there representing the presence of God and how God's presence, oh glory, will sit on the mercy seat. Let me review just for a moment, walk you to a place where I can introduce to you two tools of the enemy that stop the flow of God's glory in a Pentecostal church. I want to be very specific for a moment. I say church in general, not limiting to our denomination, but being that we are a Pentecostal church and I desire God's glory, God's manifestation, his presence to move in our midst, seeing what we saw the last two Wednesday nights. You understand? The last two Wednesday nights, God, I believe, did something supernatural. And even with the funeral that we had yesterday, I believe that there were some things that happened in the heavenlies that you and I will not know about until we make it home. The most holy place, or the holies of holies, is a sanctuary for the presence of God here on earth. Here the glory of God dwells. The Hebrews called it, as I told you last week, they called this manifestation the Shekinah glory of God. If you're raised in the 
the church of God like Charles was back in the 60s and 70s, you've heard of the Shekinah glory of God. When some service was so powerful, dynamic, they couldn't find a word, so they would say, God, Shekinah glory was in the house. It means that his presence was so powerful that you couldn't deny it. You knew that God was in the house. God always intended to dwell in the heart of man, but when man sinned, God could not dwell in that way, so from Genesis to Revelation is a love story how God desired to walk this journey with humanity and God made a way for that to happen. Here in the tabernacle, he dwells among men, but not in man, his desire. His dwelling place, there he chooses the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat where the glory of God would be. Exodus 40 and 34 teaches us that the cloud that covered the tabernacle of the meeting and did the glory of God fill that tabernacle. The tabernacle of the wilderness, the glory of God appeared, a visible manifestation of an invisible God. That's all that glory is. Where there is God, there is glory. And where there is glory, there is God. It is that manifestation of God's presence here in the tabernacle or the temple in Chronicles. How do we know that? There was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was a mark to humanity, to the people of God, to let them know I, Jehovah God, dwell in the midst of my people. God has always desired to walk in the midst of his people, in his church, in our lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our classes. Having God not there is not church, saints. I want you to hear me tonight. We're gonna to talk about that in a few moments. God must be the center of all that we do and he must be our all in all. Can somebody say amen tonight? This is where God dwells. Only here in the Old Testament, he would remove himself though if there's ever rampant sin or where God's demands were not honored or where appointed leaders were rejected or pushed against or disrespected. He will pull back his presence. Why? We must remember that God's glory is facilitated by the heart and attitude of the people in the midst where he desires to dwell. Rebellion and sin always drives away the presence of Almighty God. Now tonight, I want to pick up with the next part. In the New Testament, we know that God wants to still dwell with us and fill us with his glory, according to 2 Corinthians 3. Not only as individuals, I told you last week that when God puts his glory into every New Testament believer, it's not to exalt you, but to glorify the church. Yes, the glory in you, you are now glorified because you have been saved. But when your glory and my glory and your light and my light come together, then the church is glorified. And when the church is glorified, it'll turn a community upside down for what? The glory of Almighty God. To do that, I want God to do that. I want this Pentecostal season at North Walhalla, I want us to experience God in a new and fresh way. I want God's glory this Sunday on Pentecost Sunday to come in this place in a new and a fresh way like never before. We cannot resist the outpouring and the next move of God's spirit here at North Walhalla. When I left last Wednesday, the enemy went to work on me immediately. I know why God's power come upon me. Even tonight at this very moment, we have another death in the church. It has been one step after the next of crisis and situation. Just what, every moment, the phone is ringing with another crisis. But when I left here feeling so powerful of God's touch, 
the enemy immediately said there will be those who leave because they don't like that type of outpouring. And he has beat me up on that for almost a week. But I am convinced. I am convinced more than ever that you and I can play church. and I'll receive a salary and most likely this size church, it'll be here in 30 years. But I am not convinced that if you and I play church, that the next generation will know the God that you and I once knew. I believe that we must get ready for the next outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That you and I must have a hunger again for the Shekinah glory of God in a day of self-help and church growth where the premium is to grow the church by numbers rather than to grow them by disciples. Where they will teach us how to bypass biblical principles to get to a place to exalt humanity and exalt the flesh. Where your pastor can be promoted and the church can be promoted but God himself is not adored, worshipped, or promoted amongst his people. I believe that we must make a choice and decide right now that we desire God's glory more than we do the praise of men in this world. If you believe that, would you give God a hand clap of praise tonight? To do that, then we must put ourselves on guard on two things that you and I can control. Two things that I believe are a hindrance to God's glory in the New Testament church. And I will use New Testament scriptures to prove this point. First of all, if God is gonna pour out his glory in the greatest measure ever here at North Wahala, we must dwell together in unity. It is an absolute must. It does not mean we agree on everything. It does not mean we're gonna go out to eat lunch every day. It does not mean we're gonna hopscotch and play golf every day together. That's a foolish thinking and not even biblical. You and your spouse tonight, I guarantee you that sometime before you get back on Sunday, you most likely would disagree about something. Amen, Amen. Jose's the only one being honest tonight. But I'm telling you that God still demands unity. Whenever there was not unity in the Old Testament church or I said the, the Old Testament tabernacle far as unity between God and man or in the New Testament Acts church when there was not unity, God's spirit would be pulled back. Why? Because he told us in the book of John that his glory is revealed by what? Because of the harmony of Jesus and God being one. And Jesus said, God the Father, the glory that you have given me, I now give to them. And on the day of Pentecost, we receive that glory. At salvation, yes, but it is manifested in greater measure at the day of Pentecost. He said, the glory that I have, I now give them. In fact, he breathed upon the disciples. Amen tonight. That glory is so powerful that it turned Jerusalem upside down. Not just Jerusalem, but Judea, Samaria, and even to the othermost part of the earth. But if you want to see that glory begin to be pulled back or if you want to see the church being hindered, the two greatest hindrances that I see is not the devil. It's not Satan. It is not the demonic forces because you and I have the ability to cast those things down and also cast those things out. 
It's easy to spot them at times. They manifest themselves with things that are vulgar in the pulpit or at the altar. They manifest themselves in such a way that nobody can deny them. But yet sometimes in Pentecostal circles, in preachers and in the pew, there is certain things in our heart and in our character, our DNA and our nature that we allow things to happen to bring dishonor and disunity in the body of Christ. And instead of dealing with those things, we mask them in religion and we pull back the glory of God from us. Are you with me tonight? Well, we have a special church. And especially because God has made us one. What the world could not do, what the government could not be voted into, God did it on the cross of Calvary. 1 Corinthians 1 and 10 said, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul saying that you speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but you be perfectly joined together, same mind, watch this, and also in same judgment. He was saying to them, to the Corinthians, who were speaking in tongues, casting out devils, shouting, dancing, but they could not get along. Now there were some other sins. There were some sexual sins that were strong. They even had to turn one person out of the church that his soul might be saved. But he opens the letter with this thought, I desire that you speak the same thing. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm trying to show us in my own life how things I must guard against. Because the enemy will lie to you. The enemy will put you and me against each other. The enemy will say that Bo doesn't like you, that Bo doesn't want this, and, or Bo wants you gone. The enemy will get you in your weak state. But what we've got to do, we've got to speak the things that are worth speaking about. If we can't speak the same thing, then either one of us is wrong or both of us is wrong because we are speaking the wrong thing. So let us speak holy things, not unholy things. That's what the word says, come on. By doing this, we promote the unity and we let the devil know that me and Sister Murphy may disagree on the type of music we like, but we agree on this, that if the types of music lift up the name of Jesus Christ, we have decided instead of causing disunity or trouble in the church, we will promote the same thing by saying this, if it exalts Jesus Christ, let God be true, then every other man be a liar tonight. Watch this. But Brother Nolan, how much is God committed to this unity? I'll tell you how much. That God says, I'm going to give you gifts so I can make you one. You understand, and I'm going to go back to this in a few moments. The glory manifested is manifested because we are one. How are we one? Because the song that we used to sing out of the old book of Jubilee in the church of God, the blood of Jesus Christ has made us one. One blood, one tongue, and one kindred. That's why Jose can come from Mexico. And I can come from the low country. Pastor Godwin can come from the lowest part of the low country in South Carolina, which is Buford in Jasper County. 
and we all can come together here in the upstate and sing and tell the same story. Why? Because we're one in blood, one in tongue, and one in kindred. Only he can do this. God says, not only do I want to promote this, when there is a weakness, Ephesians 4, 11, 13, he said, I'll give you apostles, I'll give you prophets, I'll give you evangelists, I'll give you pastors, I'll give you teachers, Sunday school teachers. I'm working with them. They're working with me. Sometimes I'll come in and a Sunday school teacher will say, Pastor, I just told them the same thing that you preached this morning. How does that happen? God said, I'm giving you gifts for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edification of the body of Christ. Why? Till we all come together in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. God says, I'm going to make sure that my church walks together as one. And I don't care what I've got to do. If I've got to give North Walhalla preachers, teachers, apostles, evangelists, I'm going to give them every gift that I can to make sure that they grow together in one, also in the Son of Almighty God. God is saying, I'm not going to leave you without resources to be one. Listen to me tonight. There is no reason to have church splits in 2018. Come on, somebody. Either the pulpit's out of order, the deacons are out of order, the pew is out of order, the parsonage is out of order, or some, the prayer room's out of order. Something is out of order when I hear about church splitting down the middle. That's, that's not biblical. You can show me nowhere in scripture where God's just ordaining. I'll never forget the first church that I went to. The church there split right down the middle. And to make sure that everybody was happy, the overseer gave the parsonage to the people that left. And to the people that stayed, he gave them the church. And you say, Pastor, at least both sides got something. No, no, because for the next 15 years, we had to explain to the town, and that was before I got there in Camden, but we had to explain to the town why the parsonage for East Camden is on the property of the Lakeshore Drive Church of God. So the pastor of the East Camden Church lives on the property of the Lakeshore Drive, and the, par the parsonage for the Lakeshore Drive Church is right beside the East Camden Church. A little confusing in it. And the Bible said that God's not the author of confusion. But somewhere that made sense. No, what made sense is somebody going back to a prayer room and God saying, you're wrong or you're wrong or both of you wrong. Somebody apologize to somebody else. Somebody get together. See what happens when you and I come together as one and the enemy tries to come in like a flood and we put that hand up and we say, I was wrong or Jessica was wrong or Lisa was wrong. But we know this. We got in a closet or we went to a back room and we told each other, I'm sorry and that you're my brother and you're my sister and we're not quitting church and we're not going down the road but we're going to stand here together as one. Something happens and God says, that's the place I can send my glory. Look to your neighbor and say, let's be one tonight. Would you do that for me? If I press this point, I want to be clear. It's not just unity that God desires, but unity of the faith. Now I prayed about this. This is going to sound a little strange and I don't even know if I get past this. But Denise, I really felt this. It's not just unity God desires. It is biblical, righteous unity. There are churches voting together today as one, but they're voting things that are ungodly. Rusty, one of the mainline denominations just voted to allow bishops in the pulpits 
that are homosexuals or are married to a homosexual or, or should say living in a homosexual lifestyle. The church voted for almost unanimous. You said, Brother Nolan, at least they're together in unity. No, sir. No, sir. See, you left one part out. Father and son are in union together. Communion. Com common union. And since the Father and Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Son gives us the same glory. But the glory He gives us would not go against the glory that's of the Father. It will all be the same. So in America, we have churches that now are unified, but they are unified in things that are ungodly. It's not enough to vote the same way if your vote goes against Scripture. I had to press that. I, I don't, know, don't know why, but we're living in a time where Protestant denominations are voting together overwhelmingly on certain things that are ungodly, sexual sin, perversion of the flesh, things that go against Scripture. It's not natural. It's not right. And even though they're voting together, it's not enough to be unified. He says in Ephesians, we must be unified in the faith. Amen. Then when we're unified in the faith, then we can expect the presence of Almighty God to come up in our lives. To do that, I want you to understand something. This is not natural, it's supernatural. The source to our unity is the Holy Ghost. I want you to hear me. This is not natural. I promise you before the week's out, somebody in this church is gonna make you mad. I'm going to disappoint you. Nikki's going to put the wrong thing on the screen. It's going to cause you to sing the wrong words. Somebody's going to be videotaping you, putting on Facebook, and they're going to make fun of you. Don't blame me, blame Nikki. Right? Somebody's going to do something to make you mad. It happens. Are you, are you listening tonight? There's always going to be that opportunity. Why? Because we live in the flesh. You say, but Brother Nolan, I walk in the Spirit. You do walk in the Spirit, but I promise you, if your neighbor pinches you tonight, it's going to hurt. There's still that, that warring of the flesh. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to be unified, but our source is our own intellect and our own mind. So we say things like this, Ashley. I really think that this is the way the church should go. But the book of Acts never did it that way, Dot. They never got up and said, you know what? I think because of my degree or I think because of my education, I think that this is the way we should go. No, they would pray, they would fast, and then somebody would come up and says, the Holy Ghost that says this, and then the, the man of God would stand up and say this, if it seemeth good to the Holy Ghost, then it seemeth good to the church. They were saying that for us to have God's glory, we've got to dwell together as one. And the only way we can dwell as one is if we do so by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Ephesians 4 and 3 said, be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit. Hello? In the bond of what? In the bond of peace. If this church is going to continue to advance the calls here in Oconee County, we will not do so divided. We will tear down more than we build up on Sunday mornings. We've got to go back to our prayer closets and know when to speak and know when to be silent. How do we know how to do that? By the power and the leading of the Holy Ghost. I say this to you and, I, and I'm being sincere. I really wish we would think before we hit the send button on Facebook and social media. Sometimes we cause more damage in churches by putting things on blast for everybody to see instead of going to a prayer closet. 
We need to hear back from the Holy Ghost once again. Your source of strength of unity is not in your looks or your money or your power. It's in the power of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead you. He will guide you. He will rebuke you. He will chastise you. He will lead you to truth. He's a gentleman that will walk you and show you this is the door. Don't walk in this door. Say this. Be still. Be silent. Stand up. Worship. Run. He will lead the church if the church will allow him to lead once again. He said in the spirit we're all baptized in one body. Jew and Greek, slave and free. This isn't natural. There are too many factors at play in the flesh. We need the Holy Ghost for unity in the church. I'm telling you this. this I'll be honest with you. It happened this week. There was a little situation that come up. And before 24 hours was, was gone by, people were praying. And when people started praying, that thing worked itself out worked itself out. You want to know why? Because if two people go into a prayer closet and allow God to speak, God will work that thing out every time. Somebody say amen tonight. In your marriage, in your Sunday school class, in the church, on your job, two Holy Ghost filled people should be able to work something out together. Our source is the Holy Ghost. Secondly, our agenda is this. Our agenda should not be making me right and you wrong. Our agenda should be advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason that there is not a, a sense of unity in some churches is, is this perplex, perplex, excuse me, perplexes me greatly. There are things that are not biblical but earthly and sensual that are the thrust of a lot of churches and people are fighting over things in churches that do not matter. You cannot have God's glory and also have your way. You've got to choose. Hello? There's going to be some decisions that the deacons make over the next six months that will not make everybody happy. But they've got to make, and I, we have a great deacon board, by the way. These men are Holy Ghost filled, and they've got to make decisions what seemeth good to the Spirit of God. We can't judge them because we voted for them, and they didn't do exactly what we expected. We've got to allow them to have one agenda and that agenda is God's agenda. Philippians 2 and 2 says, complete my joy. Paul's speaking about this. Being of the same mind, having the same love, being of full accord and of one mind. Romans 15 and 5, may God grant you to live in harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus the Lord. God, I pray tonight that you make us dwell in one accord. Somebody say Amen. Acts 1 and 14, these all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with women, Mary the mother of Jesus and his brethren. On the day of Pentecost, there were a group of believers that met together with one mindset. That mindset was not Neil Nola's agenda. It was waiting for a promise of the Father. The comforter, when Jesus said, I get back, I will send him back to you. Saints tonight, we've got to be together. Our agenda should be to promote the cause, the gospel of Jesus Christ through Pentecostal power here in Oconee County. That should be our agenda tonight. And if that's our agenda, we should strive. Even though it's not easy, our desire should be that the glory of the Lord, that we make every effort to go the extra mile to be in harmony with the people of God, that when the world sees us, they know that you and I are one, not because we're family, but because God has made us one in the blood of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear me tonight. I was visiting with somebody today for lunch. 
And this is a true story. Ashley, you were with me, wasn't you? And she said, I used to ride bicycles up and down Deaton Road. That's what she told us, didn't she? This lady's gonna come there with a Foothills pregnancy, had a wonderful conversation. They're gonna come, it's kind of like we did with uh, the lady that came with adoption and things like that. We're promoting this, but she told me this, Charles. She was talking about God's glory and God's presence. And she says, but y'all have a lot of family at North Walhalla. I said, sure, we all, I got real spiritual where the blood has made us one. She said, no, no, no. She said, some of my family goes to your church. And I said, okay. I said, what family is that? She said, do you know the Deaton family? I said, Lord, I can't go nowhere in this county and get away from Deaton's, amen? <laughs> Wayne's in here tonight. And she said, oh, they're great people. She said, well, I'm from the Westminster Deaton. And I say that in jest because in our families, you know what happens, our families, we can argue amongst ourselves, but we don't let anybody else do that. And even though we're mad with each other, somehow we always come back together. Can I tell you something? You have a family, you have a church family tonight. And me and Sister Lucy, we may have a disagreement about something, but that's still my sister in Christ tonight. And I should strive, I should make every single effort according to what Ephesians 6 and 10 says. So then when we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. That means in every situation, every time that I can make an effort to, for me and Wayne to dwell as neighbors together as one, I need to go the extra mile to be in unity with my brother. I told you this was coming last week. This is not preaching at you. Please don't take it that way. This is to inspire you and I to go the extra mile tonight. That no matter what happens, I want God's glory so much that even if I have to take the lowest seat, I'll take the lowest seat so God's glory will come upon Aiden Nolan because I want to see him baptized in the Holy Ghost. Before he starts driving, Lacey, listen, Lacey led a prayer meeting. I was in prayer meeting Monday night. I saw one of our college and career students lead prayer meeting. And you talking about the power of God coming to this place. She can't be the last one. We need more to come after that. Fill with the power of the Holy Ghost where it's not a strange thing for our young people to lead us in the Spirit. Come on, give him praise if you believe that tonight. But to do that, we've got to strive. We've got to make an extra effort. I'll never get to the lack of humility. I'm going to stay right here with unity tonight. That means you and I have got to find the avenues. We see two people in the church that are at all with each other. We, we don't get in their business unless God leads us to be a peacemaker. And if he allows us to be a peacemaker, we don't take sides because we don't know the whole story. What we do is we say this, you're my brother and you're my brother. And I know this, if we're all full of the Holy Ghost, before we walk out of here tonight, we're going to be one in the blood of Jesus Christ. You want to give the devil a black eye? You want to see God's glory? Do you think God's glory was going to show up on the day of Pentecost if they were not of one mind and one accord? Do you think that God was going to stamp the day of Pentecost when they were not together as one? That would have gave the blueprint to allow us to believe that the Holy Ghost falls upon churches that are not in harmony with one another. And God said, no, I'm not going to do that because I know that will never work. So God says, you go in that room and you stay there and you have one mind and you don't come out till I show up. And when I show up, well, God, how are we going to know you're going to show up? You'll know. You'll hear it. You'll see it. You'll hear the wind. You'll see the cloven tongues as a fire sitting upon their head. And I'm going to pour out my glory on you. And I'm going to put my glory in you. And you'll know why. Because you all will feel and see and experience the same thing, which is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. 
God, do it again. God, do it again in our church. Amen. If we're going to strive, then that means two things are going to happen. Romans 12 and 10 says, love one another with a brotherly affection. That means you and I, as we strive, we seek opportunity to dwell in unity. We've got to love and we've got to serve. We've got to love and we've got to serve. So what? So what if you don't get recognized? So what if I don't get recognized? It doesn't really matter in the end. What matters is John 13, that you desire to see the church, the church together so much that you take a towel and a basin and you wash the feet of those inside the church walls and outside the church walls. Somebody's mad at you? Oh, you can respond with anger. And you know what's probably gonna happen? The situation is gonna get worse. But tonight, if Bo and I are at odds, and I look at Bo and I said, Bo, I really don't like you. And you hurt my feelings. And you took my son's tricycle parking spot outside in the church. And we go back and forth over this. And I'm upset with him. But Bo looks at me and Bo starts, puts his finger, says something bad to me. Next thing you know, it's going to look like the WWE, right? But what if Bo does this? What if Bo looks at me and says, Pastor, I love you. I'm praying for you tonight. Bo, I'm not talking about that. I'm telling you how much I'm mad at you right now. But Bo says, the Holy Ghost told me this morning that this was coming and I've already prayed for you. And no matter what you say, no matter what you do, I'm letting you know I'm gonna be here Sunday morning and I'm gonna pray an extra time and I'm gonna fast an extra meal for you because I want God to pour out his spirit upon you. You're my pastor and I'm gonna lift you up. It is hard to argue against that. Now, if I respond back and I go home and I put on Facebook about Bo, I, you can't trust Bo Walls. You can't trust a man who pulls for the Florida State Seminoles. You just can't trust a man like that. If I do that, I'm going to escalate the situation. But if one party or the second party will come out of a prayer clause and make up their mind, I'm going to strive to love you and serve you. And when you do me wrong, I'm going to send you a gift card in the mail. And when you cuss at me behind the scenes, I'm going to pray and fast an extra meal. And when you take my parking spot, I'm going to leave a $20 bill in your car to get your car washed at VIP just because I'm going to bless you. Let me tell you, something happens in that supernatural move. Brother Nolan, that's the land of crazy. That's the land of crazy. Let us go. Let us go. Let us go that extra mile. I'm so tired of being average and doing average and praying average and fasting average. So tired of being average in the church. Well, we did what we required. No, for those of you that walk in the spirit, go that extra mile. Somebody's doing you wrong, bless them. Do not curse is what the scripture says. Your husband's being a little untalkative of me, bless them extra. Put an extra helping of potatoes on the plate or do something. I never forget when the, my, when the first time somebody brought to me a, a marital crisis and the lady told me she was a godly woman filled, full of the Holy Ghost and she told me, she said, my husband's not coming to church, won't come to church, so I've made up my mind. I'm not going on any dates. I'm not going to hold his hand. You with me? I'm not going to do anything until he comes to church. You know what I told her? He's not coming. She said, what do you mean, Pastor? I said, you claim to be full of the Holy Ghost. You claim to be full of the Spirit and you want him to come to church and you're telling me that God's making you mean. She says, I'm not mean. I said, no, that's not what I mean. I said, but you're going home to tell him if you don't come to church with me, I'm not cooking, I'm not helping, I'm not going on dates, we're not going to hold hands together, whatever that means. I'm not going to do that till you get saved. God's not in that. 
I said, I'll tell you what I want you to do as your pastor. I want you to go back home and cook him an extra dessert tonight. She said, but preacher, I'm the one coming to church and tithing. I said, do you want him to come? I want him to look back at you and say this. I don't know what happened to my wife, but if church is making her like this, I've got to go to church and get me some of that. Let me tell you, you'll do more with honey than you will with vinegar. If we want the glory of God, go the extra mile. Go the extra mile. You see a single mom in this church struggling, don't rebuke her so harshly. When I first got here, there was a couple and I, we met to, and we helped a single mom out. Some of you ladies that you know how to be a good mother, do something for her. Give her a night out. Let her go out and get a break. She may have uh, raising her child by herself. Let her know that there are godly people in this church who see her need and love her. Amen? Love and serve. When we do this, I got three minutes, listen to me. When we do this, John 13, 34, says 35, that when we do this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If we want God's glory to come, we dwell in unity. When we dwell in unity, we love and serve. And when we love and serve, the world will know that we belong to Jesus Christ. The world will know that we belong to Jesus Christ. Dwell in unity. In your home, in your families, in your Sunday school classes, the church, on your job. When you walk in unity, and God's glory is on you, you become a witness to this world. How many of you want to be a witness tonight? Amen. You can't be a witness and the only thing we know about you is that you can't get along with anybody. One person is probably their fault. Two people is a coincidence. 25 people is your fault. Come on, somebody. I'm not preaching at you now. I mean that. I hope you understand. I'm just teaching for our futures. If not only will we be a witness, but secondly, and I close here, John 17, 20, 21 says this. I do not pray for these alone, Jesus speaking, but also for those who will believe in me through the word, that they all may be one as you, Father, in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Romans 15, 5 through 7 said this last verse, one mouth glorifying God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, not only do we become a witness, our witness is manifested because God's glory rests upon us. Because the unity that God and the Son have, we now have, because the glory from that Old Testament tabernacle is no longer on a mercy seat, it's inside you and I. And if that glory is inside you and I, we become a witness and a conduit for God's glory to touch this world. And when God's glory is spread out in Oconee County and the Golden Corner, lives will be changed. Would you stand with me all of the house tonight? Brother Nolan, you're preaching that we should do everything you say. Oh no, I don't even do that. My mind will change tomorrow. Brother, we should just do what the deacons say. The deacons don't want that. That's not unity. That's fairy tale. That's Disneyland. That's not what I'm saying. To think that you and I or you and a sister or brother of this church would never disagree, that's foolish. That's going to happen. It's just like in your marriage. I know you told your spouse that we will never fuss, but I'm sure somewhere along the way there's been at least one type of disagreement. Amen. I know Whitney's never fussed at Chris. I get that. But Jessica, sometimes she said a few words to me. That's foolish to believe like that. That's not what I'm preaching. 
But if you want God's glory, you've got to have a determined mindset and an agenda that's God's agenda to strive to say, me and Brother Ellenberg, we're going to be brothers. We're one. And nothing's coming between that. Doesn't mean we always agree. He likes Chevy, I like Ford, but it doesn't matter. We are going to be one. No matter what comes our way, devil, I want you to know that. That you're not going to divide us. Because if you do, God's glory is not going to rest on us. You hear me as a close. And if God's glory is not here, your children are not coming. You're, listen to me. They can't be saved by themselves, not according to Scripture. God's Spirit's got to draw them. And the last thing that the millennials will tell you, they are not being a part of denomination. Denominations mean nothing to them. There's no loyalty. I've had, I've had Farm Bureau insurance since I was 16 years of age. That's part of my generation. This new generation, they can care less. They want to go where God's glory's at and where humanity's being touched because they can use their hands to do something in somebody's life. But if they see confusion, they're out the door. You can believe me or not. This younger generation, if they see a church fighting, they're gone and they're not coming back. So instead of us putting our news on blast, and I'm not talking about North Wahala, why don't when situations come up and we see the enemy come, we let him know right, right from the start, we want the glory of the Holy Ghost. And devil, you're not going to get me to cause God to pull back his presence from me. Amen. Father, we love you tonight. Next week, we will move and talk about humility. That's really where I wanted to get to. But God, we must be humble. And if we're humble, you will exalt us. God, have the, your glory upon us. We can't have a sense of pride, of arrogance, because both of us can't receive the praise. We'll look at Luke 14 and some other scriptures, how we must humble ourselves. But tonight, God, I want to dwell with my brothers and sisters in unity. We're not preaching a fairy tale that we'll always see it the same way, but we are preaching this. God, we're one in you. And no matter what comes our way, then God, we're going to stand in the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them you love them. Tell them you forgive them.